I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is the Al and Lingy Show. Brilliant tap work, Gresham curling, curling, magnificent all round. Oh, this is just a leap by Paddy Ryder. Stokes down low, Corey to Ling, and then Ling goes bang. Another great round of football, another tense round of football and the tension's rising as the teams are jostling for positions in the top eight, positions in the top four and Cameron Ling, as I welcome you, a couple of teams missed opportunities this weekend. The Bulldogs are flyer against the Cats. The Cats rolled them quite comfortably in the end. Carlton so disappointing against the Adelaide Crows and as we speak, there's still a game going on and we're involved in a gripping finish at the MCG with Richmond playing Brisbane. Welcome to you. Good to see your face, mate. Thank you, Al. Great to be with you every single week. Now, we're doing this a little earlier than normal because of your Commonwealth Games commitments and uh, well done on the first game of hockey and you've got plenty on for the next couple of weeks. So we're doing it a touch early, which means this game hasn't yet been decided. So we might be reacting to a few things going on live because scores are level right now with just under five minutes to go. So please, I apologise in advance, Al if I lose my professionalism and go a little bit crazy uh, early on. But, you're, yeah, you're right. A few teams missed chances. I thought Carlton were the most disappointing of the lot. Uh, that was a strange one against a, a really bad Adelaide team. They've struggled this year and Carlton just didn't do the job. It's like they wanted to play easy football. Um, they had heaps of possessions. Cripps had 41 and Sam Walsh had 40. And isn't that great? But they only had 47 inside 50s for all those wonderful possessions which meant to me that they didn't really want to do the hard work and play the really damaging footy that they've made a name for themselves playing this year. They wanted to win in a pretty easy manner and it bit them on the backside. The Crows were too good. Yeah, and it's not like the Crows had a a series of dominant players or a key forward like Walker kicking six or seven goals. Walker had a good game. He kicked three. Ben Keyes did a very good job on Adam Saad and and he kicked three as well as curtailing his run off the halfback flank. We're seeing a bit more of that. Bailey Dale had it done to him against the Swans. We saw Finn McGuinness go to Cal Sinclair on the weekend in that clash between Hawthorne and St Kilda. But that's what really stuck out to me as well, Lingy, that Paddy Cripps would have 41 disposals, 13 clearances. Walsh would have 40. Doherty would have 32 disposals, 10 marks. And yet Carlton inside 50 count in that game was 65 Adelaide, 47 Carlton. And Adelaide won the contested possession by 14. So I think Michael Voss would be as about as disappointed as he has been in any Carlton performance this year, wouldn't he? That was a chance to lock away to secure the, the final eight position. And now they've still got a, a little bit of work to do, the Blues. Yeah, that's the one. And to score only 55 points for all those stats you go through, that was bitterly disappointing. I will call this one live. Charlie Cameron misses to the near side, scores back level now with just under three minutes to go, Al. So uh, just a little update there. But, yeah, you're right. I, 
we've, we've loved everything that Carlton has done throughout this season. They've grown so much as a group. They've probably grown earlier than we all expected. They've got themselves in a position where finals are probably and, and certainly more than likely happening. But you just when you come up against a team like the Crows, you've got you've to be super ruthless, super professional, do the hard work, bank the win, get on to next week and just absolutely make certain of that top eight and maybe even top four. Who knows? It's one that Michael Voss will probably sit down during the week and say, okay, what mistakes did we make as coaches during the week? Did we fill their heads with other things, little tactical things, and forget about the foundations of the ruthlessness and the contested ball and, and that, and just assume that the players were going to do that and we're trying to add these other layers? Or did we coach it right and the players just chose to play in an easy way as opposed to the way that has got them into this position? So uh, there'll be some questions asked. It's not a panic or anything like that. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that. Just some self-reflecting questions asked of the coaches and of the players about their mental approach to this game. So it gets important now for Carlton. They'll play Brisbane at the Gabba on Sunday. That's live and free on the screens of seven. Then they play Melbourne at the MCG and then they play Collingwood at the MCG. They are going to need, I think, to find one more win, Lingy. That is an extremely tough run of matches that they have coming up, the Blues. Now, you're, you're a Carlton supporter quietly, Al, but uh, for us neutrals in this situation, the thought of it coming down to a Carlton-Collingwood game to finish the year. And that might be Collingwood for the top four as well, Lingy. True, true. It, that is simply priceless. I'm assuming if it did come down to Carlton to make the eight, Collingwood to make top four in that last game, there's 85,000 at the G to watch Minimum. that, isn't there? Sunday afternoon time slot, hopefully late season, sunny day at the MCG would be absolutely perfect. But we're in the stage now where there are so many games that have an immense amount riding on them. This game that we're watching the closing stages of now, Brisbane hasn't won at the MCG since 2014. Chris Fagan, sick to death of that discussion, doesn't want to frame this game around it in any way, but he knows he's been around long enough to know that if they lose this game, everyone will say, well, Brisbane can't win the premiership because they can't win at the MCG. And if they win it, people will say they're a legitimate premiership contender. How are they progressing, Lee? I, I can tell you now, Al, that discussion is going to continue. Tom Lynch lining up from goal about 20 out straight in front to put them seven points up, nails it, 16 seconds to go, Richmond win. Oh, that my goodness. That conversation is going to continue because they dominated that first half of football. It was brilliant Brisbane Lions foot, footy, huge high scoring, six goals up. And then to get run over the top of, well, sorry, Fags, as much as I love what he does as a coach, that conversation is going to continue. The that is a line. massive result. Richmond's season on the line. So they now move to 42 points and into ninth position on the table ahead of the Western Bulldogs. St Kilda occupies eighth spot after their semi-unconvincing win over Hawthorne on the weekend. But they're the clubhouse leader at the moment for eighth spot. The Blues... Still looking to hang on at just a game ahead of the Saints, but it keeps the Tigers in the frame. So that's huge for the Tigers, but it's so disappointing for the Brisbane Lions who would have gone back into the top four. Sydney now in the top four and, and Brisbane outside the top four. And if they can't finish in the top four, we look at what they've done over the last few years when they've been in the four, Lingy, and they haven't been able to advance too far in the finals. Well, where would it leave them this year if they missed the top four and didn't get 
the benefit of the double chance, do you think? Yeah, that's, that is the big question because in one of those years where they finished in the top four, it was finals at the Gabba, including the grand final at the Gabba, potentially, if they'd, if they'd made it. Um, it. It leaves the same questions. Uh, can that forward line really kick enough goals? Mind you, they have scored 97 points against Richmond, but what did they score? 70, I think, in the first half, so not much after halftime. Is the midfield deep enough? How many times have we got on this podcast, Al, and had the same conversation early on in the year and thought, is the Brisbane midfield just one or two players shy of a a really great midfield? Yes, there's Neil. Yes, there's McCluggage. Berry improves. Rayner comes in a little bit. Lions are solid, but what else? And those same questions are going to be there. If they're not top four and if they're not hitting a preliminary final and potentially that one week further they all come flooding back but every one of those players is another year older and you start doubting whether or not Brisbane are going to end up like the Port Adelaide team of a few years back who were a very good team and could make preliminary finals but when it really came to it in a prelim just constantly fell short and then have fallen away a little bit is that going to be Brisbane those questions will swirl around now, especially after a loss like that one. So what did this round tell you, Lingy, about who is legitimately in, in the frame for this, this premiership? Did it narrow your focus at all? Uh, it's narrowed my focus back to the two. Uh, the, Geelong and Melbourne are, are certainly the, the two clear ones. Um, Collingwood continues to amaze me, and I don't want to sell Collingwood short. But I worry that this run of close games isn't sustainable because eventually they're going to drop one of those. And now that's the wrong one in the finals. Bang, they're done. Um, if it's in the in the first or oh, sorry, a second week, even if they get a top four. Um, the Sydney Swans, Al, is the one that I start thinking, are they actually in the Geelong and Melbourne group? I, I think Freo have hit a wall and can't get across the ground with the speed and the intensity. Brisbane, after a game like that, I know we're fresh off it and reacting so so raw to, to what we've just seen that the questions have got to remain there, which puts it, for me, Geelong, Melbourne, with Sydney right there, and this is going to sound stupid, and maybe it is just too big a reaction, but if Richmond make it, Richmond can do something this year. Tom Lynch comes back in, he kicks that goal at the end, Dusty is a couple of weeks away. They're playing good football, haven't won. I get that. If you're not winning, I understand all the arguments against what I'm saying. But I think Richmond are a better team than a few of these other ones in the top eight that we were discussing as potential premiership chances. Yeah. Well, it had been Richmond essentially in the last few weeks beating Richmond in a way and losing tight matches. If they'd gone Richmond's way, they would be firmly entrenched in the eight and would actually be talking about them maybe finishing in the top four, I agree with you, Lingy. They, their football still suggests that they are made of something and it finally clicked for them today. They found a way to win um, and when in previous weeks they'd found a way to lose, essentially. And you can't take anything away from the teams that beat them, but Richmond had put itself in a position to win all of those games that it lost. And today they got over the line, which I think is very significant for that side. Can I ask you, Al, the Sydney Swans, am I, am I just 
reacting to their recent run of terrific form and overreacting or where have you got those? Well, well I think they're legitimate because their, their recent run of form coincides with the back end of the season when you need to start playing, playing your best football. And they did chalk up some good wins earlier in the year and then they had a bit of a flat patch. But now they're producing a sustained period of form when the whips are just about cracking. We're, we're in the period of the year now, Lingy, where you want to start to play your best football and they're doing it. The way they dismantled GWS on the weekend, that was an absolutely comprehensive display from the Sydney Swans. Won the game by 73 points, but all the key areas, I mean, Parker and Goulden were absolutely outstanding. Rowbottom laid, what, 13 tackles. He kicked a goal. He had 23 disposals. The Swans were plus 17 for contested possession, plus 100 for uncontested possession, 42 more marks than GWS, nine more clearances. And despite that massive dominance in terms of possession, still laid 24 more tackles than GWS. So that points to the dominance of Sydney, but also the ineptitude of of GWS. And Mark McVeigh pointed that out in the aftermath. He said essentially that embarrassed the club, that performance. It does look a bit like the Giants have checked out really. And there's a bit of uncertainty about where some players will be next season. How are you seeing GWS? And and obviously Mark McVeigh's in a period where he's auditioning for the coaching position at that club and he's trying to play a more proactive style, but they looked completely listless at the SCG on Saturday. Yeah, they did, Al. Um, You're right. And and I think Mark McVeigh's comments were very, very accurate and and very, very honest, which is what we've always expected from, from Mark. I'm not, I haven't been big on the Giants all year in the last couple of years anyway, as you well know. I look at that sort of performance though, and it frightens me for their future because Toby Green is something special. Eventually, doesn't he get sick of just insipid performances from other teammates? Um, Then you've got these other teammates who are highly talented players just thinking, Oh, well, maybe I'll just pack it in and go somewhere else as well. And um, let's all go collect a few dollars and go play at a a club that knows what they're doing. Well, if that's the case, what have you really got? What have you really built there? Um, I compare them to the Suns. We all naturally do because they were formed at pretty much the same time. And the Suns have gone through some pretty ordinary um, versions of themselves But all this talk a year or two years, maybe 18 months ago, that Lacocious was going to leave and Rankin was going to leave and wait till Ben King wants to get home to his brother. They're all re-signing because they they, they want to play good footy there and they've built something that is really positive and exciting and and they're, they're feeling like they're a part of something. Well, the Giants to me don't feel like they're doing anything. It's... They've played garbage footy for a few years. Okay, they got on a little run late last year. So what, in my eyes? They've played horrible footy. They've relied just 100% on a few talented players, dragging them over the line in certain games. And now it's all got a bit hard and what they've packed it in a month out from the season against the team that they are competing in the same direct market as. This is your rivals for dollars for members for bums on seats for the 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 footballing public of new south wales and you turn in that sort of performance and you want to call yourself a a proud strong footy club it's it's kind of ridiculous isn't it yeah that that's the game that you you would never expect if that rivalry is really legitimate which i think it is 
how on earth they produce such a poor performance, albeit Sydney is a very, very good side and GWS has had a poor year. But it does feel to me, Lingy, I think the first time ever really that we're seeing this, in recent times at least, this, this shifting of the plates now. It's like the two ships passing in the night. GWS is going one way. Gold Coast is going the other way. The culture at Gold Coast looks rock solid all of a sudden as you say you've got all those key players recommitting to the club wanting to be part of the journey with Stuart Jew who's himself been re-signed and we're having the Gold Coast Suns producing their best season ultimately they're going to come up short of, of finals but you can see that the platform is being laid for that team to play finals into the future and and I agree you do have to worry about what the next few years might look like for GWS. And, and can I just say these names to you, just just so everybody's clear that this wasn't a an injury-depleted GWS team and, and they had 15 blokes missing from COVID and all this sort of stuff. Josh Kelly, Lockie Whitfield, Perryman, Ward, Taylor, Cummings, a good defender, Toby Green, Taranto, Himmelberg, Hopper, Haynes, Hogan, Green, the other Green, <laughs> Ash, Kennedy, he's been there a long time. These, these guys are serious footballers and, and talented footballers. There's enough talent ran, who ran out there on the SCG on the weekend to be ashamed of that performance. Uh, the Swans showed that, yes, they've got some talent as well, but they've also got a bunch of blokes who are prepared to do the hard work and the teamwork and sacrifice themselves, and they are so far ahead of their crosstown rivals. It is not even funny and um, impressive by the Swans and so bitterly disappointing by the Giants. Take me back to Saturday night, Lingy. It was a huge occasion down at the Cattery. Joel Selwood playing his 350th game, the first cat to achieve that milestone. He ended up claiming his 160th victory as captain as well, which was another milestone for him. But he would have been a little bit nervous early on, wouldn't you, when the dogs came flying out of the blocks, kicking the opening four goals. Yeah, the dogs were really good earlier. You're, you're right. They hunted after the footy. Libba and Bont were excellent. Their ball use was the big one. It was slicing through Geelong. Yeah. They were, they were taking the angles. They were forcing Geelong's defenders to work solo. Uh, and and they found holes. They found some nice gaps and, and really were hurting Geelong. And Geelong, on, on the flip side, couldn't win a contested ball. And any time they got it, they looked like they were the one under the pump and sitting 16th on the ladder and <laughs> battling to know what to do with the footy. They, they were butchering the ball. It was, it was pretty horrible. Um, which only makes me feel in a strange way better about Geelong and their chances going forward to be start to start off like that against what a team that I still call a, a very good football team in the Bulldogs and to completely flip it round and get the game back on their terms and then play with that other gear, that other gear that hasn't been there for the last few years, despite grand finals and preliminary final and top four finishes, it was a gear that could break a game open and score incredibly heavily, kicking eight goals in that third quarter. Mm. The speed of Stengel and Close and Holmes through the middle of the ground and the, the movement of Jeremy Cameron floating up the ground and then getting back. And even Gary Rowan, to his credit, unfortunately got subbed off with a concussion, but his speed around and the, the pace with which they were prepared to move the ball, so different to the last few years sets them up to be right there with Melbourne as, a, as the best team in the competition because of that ability to when they get control back of the game to pile those goals on. And they just broke the Bulldogs' spirit and 
they they go away with a nice comfortable win and a terrific night. So it was a it was a good night there. The crowd was right into it and they love they love Joel. I know opposition fans they love to boo him. They love getting stuck into him. They they hate him at times and all of that. But I I think that's all out of a deep down respect you for the guy. To. There is no way you could not do anything but respect him. The combative nature of the way he's played the game. The the shot of the little kid in the crowd at Cadinia Park <laughs> with the bandage on and the blood coming out of his head was priceless, but also so appropriate because Joel Selwood has played this game in a very physical way. It's extraordinary, really, that he's got to 350 games in one piece and achieved what he has in the game. He's readying for his 15th final series, Lingy. Where Do you have a sense of where he sits in the, the greats of the Geelong Football Club? Yeah, it- if you can allow me to try and explain what I mean by this, the, the players with the greatest peak of their football ability in my eyes at Geelong are the two ablets. Mm-hmm. They had ceilings higher than everyone. But Joel is the greatest player in the and the most important player in the Geelong Football Club history. So, And, and I mean that by an all-round contribution with everything that he does. He surpasses everyone in my eyes. His play, and we all laud his courage and, and the physical nature with which he played the game, but his skill, his running ability, his big moment sense and all of that, his ability to win the footy, all that, it was supreme. He a brilliant, talented footballer to go with all of that courage and everything. So he's an outstanding footballer. And just that alone would deservedly put him in the top 10 players of all time at the Cats. But then you throw in the leadership element and the longest-serving captain in AFL history, the standards that he has set and demanded across the group to have his 15-year career, the group only missed the finals once. And you're better at stats than me, Albert. To finish top four, I think think it's it's 13 of 16 years, the last 16 seasons they've done it, yeah. Yeah, so for that to happen, to a, a grand final in 2020, now got them top of the ladder again, those standards are just unbelievable in a system that's designed to not let a team stay like that. And then you throw in the, the final element and, and probably almost the most important one for me when I talk about him is the human being, the, the care and compassion and support that he shows to all of his teammates, all of his coaches, the players' parents and families and kids and partners and, and everyone and brings that whole club together and, and keeps them united through a time when all of our premiership champions were retiring and some left a little grisly and a little disappointed, they got finished up. And Joel saw that transition through and brought in a new group and recruited from other clubs and brought them in, brought kids in. I, I know I'm biased, but it is so difficult to manage all of those different moving pieces and, and Joel's done it. So when you throw all of those elements together, that's why, in my eyes, He's the greatest of all time to ever wear the blue and white hoops for an entire package. Yeah, yeah. But do you get a sense of if Geelong won the premiership this year, do you think that would have any impact on his decision-making about what he does next year? Uh, I've tried to guess this in my mind. Um, Part of me thinks that if they won it, Joel would retire on that high, um, having accomplished everything and squeezed every ounce out of that body of his. But then there's still a, a 1% of me that thinks Joel would just go, nah, I want to do it again. I want to win again and he might come back. If they lost, oh, I don't know. I, 
I feel like he just he'd never want to he'd never want to finish on having been beaten. So he might want to go. It's too hard to answer. I, I'm probably erring on the side of if they won it, that may be his last game of football. But that's really just a guess at the moment. Yeah, yeah, very much just a guess. Um, Western Bulldogs. To me, it, it's felt like for a while that they were, if they made the finals, they would only limp in. But you can see what they're capable of doing next year. You can't take that for granted. But you just see what the Bulldogs can do at their best. And when Geelong sliced them open on Saturday night, Lingy, it was that area of vulnerability that the Dogs have and is well known and, and much talked about, and that is in the key defensive stock. So Liam Jones has, has suggested he wants to go to the Western Bulldogs, so that's something that they should get done, and that will help stiffen things up a bit. Luke Beveridge didn't play. Alex Keith, who's been a mainstay of the Dogs' defence, went for Cordy instead. Um, that's the area that, that they'll need to stiffen up. How much can Jones do that, though? do you think? Buku Kamas, I think, though, looks like a bit of a player and, and needs to be persisted with. If they can get games into him, he could yet become a, a very good long-term defender for that club. Yeah, I agree with that. Yep, I, I've seen signs from Kamas for sure, um, and Jones will help. I think what Jones will do is, so they play a really aggressive, high defensive press because they're just, their mindset is, we have to take the ball off the opposition early because if it gets through and our defenders get exposed, they're going to kick goals on us. So they play this super aggressive press. We saw how many times Geelong got through it and almost ran in and three Geelong players could have kicked goals. That's what happens when you play that way. That, that's the risk. I don't think they will need to play as high and as aggressive with their defensive press with the comfort knowing that, okay, if Liam Jones gets caught one out on a Hawkins... Well, let's not panic quite as much. He'll mm-hmm. probably he'll handle it. He, you know, he might get beaten in one or two, but he'll also probably break even or, or win a few as well. So, they, I don't. I think their system can can relax a little, settle down a little bit, and not be quite as aggressive and, and risk getting scored against. Um, with knowing that they've got a a more sure bet as a key post down back. Um, so I, I think that will help overall. Their midfield's still very good. Um, I think Jamari Eugle Hagen's taken big steps uh, and he'll he'll continue to be inconsistent next year, but he'll be better and better every single time he plays. I think Norton, I think Norton still has to shift to another level uh, on a consistency basis. I love Norton, but I reckon he's got another gear in him. Then you start seeing some other other, other young guns come through. Does, do we see Sam Darcy in? Him come in as a really highly rated draft pick um, and support Tim English and they get something else going there. Does Bailey Smith go to another level and become an All-Australian midfielder? So I, I'm I'm quite positive about the Western Bulldogs' future. I, I think it's good. I think getting Caleb Daniel back and running, he looked underdone last night. He coughed the ball up a few times. He'll just be better for the run. Um, he's a he's an All-Australian halfback. He'll, he'll be fine. Bailey Dale's an All-Australian halfback. Trelaw adds a lot to that midfield when he plays. I think, I think it's positive for their future. Uh, I just think they got themselves behind the eight ball this year and then probably tried to play catch up and they played too aggressive with that, trying to protect their back and they get scored against. It's as simple as that. Yeah. So 10 wins in a row now for Geelong, 10 wins in a row now. For Collingwood, so the Magpies are just having this extraordinary breakout season under Craig McRae, which is even for those that 
probably don't have a deep affection for Collingwood. You you have to admire the way they're playing. You have to admire what's been achieved this season by that group, and you have to wonder what they're they're capable of. They do do it the hard way, but they consistently do it, Lingy. So, can you put can you quantify what that means to a group when you consistently win the close ones? What what does that is there nothing to be gleaned from that, or is it actually really meaningful in the belief that lies within that group? No, a lot, absolutely. It's it means it. It almost becomes every single time you do it, it becomes a training of your mind and a training of your body about what is needed in that moment, and positive affirmation immediately that it works. That oh, okay. When we reviewed that moment and trained it and it played out in this game and it played out for the positive because we won the game and we handled that moment, I get it. I'll do more of it and I'll understand it better in the next meeting when we review it and the next training session where we train it and the one after that and the one after that and the next time I'm in that situation, there's more. There's a, there's a greater calmness in that situation and an understanding of what needs to be done, communicating it, sort it out, handle the moment. And it just becomes, it builds on itself because of that reassurance that what they're doing works. Now, Craig McRae will be busily with his team figuring out why they keep getting themselves into that situation and and understanding that when we get a lead, we need to do this better even 20 minutes before the game gets tight and or we're behind and here's how we get ourselves back into the game earlier so we're not playing this super tight game at the end. But the stuff at the end, they're handling it beautifully and they're only going to get better and better because of it. Um, it it's, it's not putting themselves in that situation that is the thing that they have to work on. Are they top four guaranteed now, do you think? Or are they still, do they still have some work to do to lock it away? You know, it, it is funny. When you talk about uh, runs home, um, I look at Collingwood not I... I sort of start worrying that it's not a lock. So they've got Melbourne at the MCG next Friday night. Sydney. Monster game. Sydney at the SCG. Sydney at the SCG and then Carlton at the MCG. That's just three wins by a cumulative margin of about eight points, I reckon. (laughs) You're exactly right, Al. Um, and, And Collingwood fans don't go nuts at me here. But it's also possibly zero and three. It absolutely is. So this is a, a huge test of exactly the strength of that team now against some of the very best teams in the competition. And I can't wait to see how, how they handle that challenge because they are taking their fans and even non-fans and neutrals on this, this great ride this season, Collingwood. Well, what I love most um, is Craig McRae's messaging out of it all about how he's, he challenges his players mid-game, gets them to the bench and saying, stop playing boring football. You know, I, I hate it when you blokes play boring football. Or, you know, calls one over and goes, I'm bored already. Do something about it. <laughs> I love that messaging. That's outstanding. And, and for the good of the game, it's brilliant. I, I, love, I love the fact my team now plays a much more exciting brand yeah. of football. It, it, it's fantastic. But then you see... Collingwood doing it. Justin Longmuir clearly wants Fremantle to do it. Now, as I said, I reckon they can't do it at the moment because they've hit a bit of a wall. Um, Carlton, I reckon Michael Voss wants them to do that. It, it, there's this urgency of these 
newer coaches coming in. Sam Mitchell wants to do it at Hawthorne. Now they're right down the bottom of the ladder, but they've played some scintillating footy at times. He's laying the bricks. Yeah, to play exciting, take the game on, scoring football. So I, I sort of start forecasting my mind forward and think, okay, when when I mean, Collingwood are good at the moment, but when they get better, then Carlton get a little bit better and Fremantle get a little bit better. Then Hawthorne make the jump and they start improving. Hopefully Geelong's there again. And all of these teams, and throwing Essendon as well, all of these teams are playing faster, high energy, attacking, scoring football. I'm going to love it uh, just from just a pure footy fan perspective. It, it feels like we've been through a period of pain with defence being king to such an extent that the game was suffocated and rule changes were brought in to try and free it up again. That's one part of it. But always the most critical element in changing the way the game was being played was the approach of the coaches and their willingness to let the shackles be broken. And we're seeing that, Lingy. And I think the game is looking as good as it has ever looked. And we'll only get better, as you say. So to me, we're having we're watching the best football we've seen in a long time and, and long may it continue. It's been fantastic. Yeah, and, and you're right because all this, the Craig McRae talk and all this attack, it reminds me of what Bomber Thompson used to say to us. Um, and, and we went through a patch, remember West Coast and Sydney, and, and they were wonderful footy teams and I don't want to take anything away from them. So I don't mean this from, and this is not a negative take, but it was a more... Dower style of yes. football and a, and a more defensive brand of football, lots and lots of stoppages and it was super physical. Well, Bomber just would tell us all the time, just play on, just take the game on. Someone's for, use them, use the corridor, go, go, go. The bigger the moment, go faster, take it, all this. So it, it took a coach to shift that mindset away from that Sydney West Coast little era to explode and take the game on. And for a few years, us and Hawthorne and um, then the Collingwood team under Mick, it was there was a lot more attack. And I think Mick understood when he had Swan and Pendlebury in his prime and Sidebottom and Beans all actually play to their strengths. They got those time. assets. Yeah, move it fast. And then, unfortunately, a whole bunch of coaches thought, we're not quite as good as those teams. So how do we stop them and slow them down? And, and the, the defence took over again. It took over for longer, unfortunately, than um, than what we would have liked. Um, now we're seeing a whole group of coaches go, now the way forward is to score and to attack and get through these defences and really open the game up, and I love it. Yeah, and with the 666, it is very true that the, the easiest way to get your next goal is to get the ball back to the middle yeah. when teams can't set up in defence to try and stop you. So... Kick a goal, get it back to the middle, and you could actually do what Geelong did against the Western Bulldogs and, and kick an eight-goal quarter. We're seeing these bursts of goals, and, and it's quite exhilarating. Even the way Richmond got back into the game against the Brisbane Lions in, in that thriller, there were moments where Richmond was able to capitalise upon that. Um, Melbourne, there were question marks around Melbourne. Are they really as good as they were? Are they going to be this dynasty team that we thought they might be at? Mind you, they had only won one premiership, so there's no guarantees of dynasty till you've done a, a Geelong or you've done a Hawthorne or you've done a Richmond really winning three in, in four years. But they're a very good side, a side that had just had middling form a little bit. That performance on Friday night, Lingy against Fremantle, was just the very best of Melbourne. All those facets of putting pressure on the opposition, giving them no space, suffocating them, but then 
whipping the ball down the ground when they got their opportunity as well. It, it seemed to signal that Melbourne was back and, and Melbourne should be taken very, very seriously again. Yeah, it was it was commanding, wasn't it? It was, I think Simon Goodwin said it after the game. It was ruthless. They had that edge to them. They, they won contested possessions by 26 and they – they once they got it in into their forward line, they either scored or if Fremantle wanted to move the footy, they did not get an inch from Melbourne. And the game was the game just felt done immediately. The ball, the first siren, ball gets bounced, and it was like, oh, Melbourne have got this. <laughs> they were they from the moment, and Jack Viney led. Them oh, up. doesn't he epitomise it? Wow. He he's the he's a genuine barometer, I reckon, Jack Viney. And. I think Simon Goodwin, to his credit, just tried a couple of little things. You know, Angus Brayshaw comes into a bit more midfield time. A couple of little subtle things. Maybe just to shake up the group a bit and say, no, you're not just going to, just because you've won a flag and just because you're a top football, you're not just going to walk straight into that centre circle every single time and you're the midfielder no matter what. I expect a certain level from you. You show that to me. I'll play you in the middle of the ground. You don't. Someone else can have a go at it. Um, you can just just tinker with players' mindsets with that, and they were on. So yeah, no, I I didn't waver on them. Other than we had Melbourne, then daylight. It was Melbourne, and the daylight was closing very quickly. But to me, it was still Melbourne. I think Geelong have just probably inched past them a little bit at the moment. But I see those two as the clear top two. Um, as we were discussing before, Melbourne just still, I've got to add one more. The ease of their scoring, though, is something that I think they'll want to build for finals. They scored pretty well against Fremantle, so I'm not saying that. It's just that forward line is still a work in progress, yep. I think, whether it's Brown or whether it's Wiedemann, it's Fritch, Cosy Pickett's obviously playing terrific footy at the moment, but just all of those little pieces. That's just still the one little work in progress for the Ds. Yeah, I agree with you on that. Just as we're talking, Lingy, a bit of news from the MRO has dropped. Uh, the two key ones that I was really eager to see were what would happen with Dane Rampey and also Chankwath Jath for their tackles on the weekend. So uh, Dane Rampey has been charged with rough conduct, dangerous tackle against Tim Taranto during the third quarter. In summary, he can accept a $2,000 sanction with an early plea. Based on available evidence, the incident was assessed as careless conduct, low impact, high contact. Jatho has been offered a one-match suspension with an early plea, uh, charged with rough conduct, dangerous tackle against Jack Steele in the first quarter. And based on the available evidence, the incident was assessed as careless conduct, conduct medium impact, high contact. So that is why he has been offered a one-match Band. So he was the second man in the tackle, Lingy, as well. It was Jager O'Meara initially, and then Jath sort of came over the top, and it it got a bit messy. That that sort of seems to be about what I would have expected from those two incidents on the weekend. I wondered. I wonder if being second man in that is the reason the counting against. So the tackle's not necessarily totally made, but it's kind of made. And yep. is, is it necessary? Um, so perhaps that's why it boosted it up a little bit more. Yeah, I. But I. Similar. I think that sounds about right. Big round of football coming up. You've already mentioned Friday night, Lingy, Melbourne and Collingwood at the MCG. That is going to be one hell of a match. 
The Western Bulldogs, the Twilight game on Saturday at Marvel, they take on the Fremantle Dockers. Huge stakes for both of those teams. The Dogs outside the eight. Fremantle's fallen outside of the, the top four when they looked like they were going to probably comfortably finish within the four. Uh, Geelong and St Kilda at Cadinia Park on Saturday night. Port Adelaide and Richmond. Port Adelaide not in the running for finals, but certainly a team that's playing at the level capable of, of playing finals. They've just left their run too late. So the Tigers just outside the eight now. St Kilda in the eight, but the Tigers only two points outside the eight. And then it's that match that really sticks out in the, the 320 slot Eastern time. Channel 7 live and free on Sunday. Brisbane and Carlton at the Gabba thingy. That another fantastic round of football. We have hit that window now where you can see the finish line. Every match has so much consequence riding on it. And then we get ready and strap ourselves in for the final. So it's a, it's a good period of the season. It is, Al. This is the fun bit, isn't it? And you're right. Every game matters. I mean, what Brisbane did today at the MCG has made that Carlton game next week just a monster. Uh, and, and it is at the Gabba and Brisbane probably win because of the Gabba. And we still, the conversation still continues. Well, you can do it at the Gabba, but you can't do it at the MCG. But they've still got to do it against Carlton. And, a, and it should be a really filthy Carlton and a, and a, and a team that should be so angry at themselves for their wasted opportunities. So they might go up there and think, hey, this is our, this is the way that we prove to the world, the footy world, and to ourselves that we are a super serious team. We're going to go off and knock off the Lions at their home deck. Um, so it sets up to be a monster. Um, Geelong St Kilda on Saturday night's big because if, and on current form, you almost say the dogs beat Fremantle, the games at Marvel. So you think, okay, the dogs probably just get it. If dogs get it and St Kilda then drop that one to Geelong, they obviously drop behind it. Yeah. It, yeah, St, St Kilda's percentage is only 104.3. The dogs is 109.4. Percentage doesn't matter for Richmond, obviously, after that that draw against Fremantle. The Tigers against Adelaide as well. So we sort of got through that round of football and it didn't really reveal too much more about who's actually going to take eighth spot, Lingy. So only because of what happened at the G. Yeah. That, if Richmond lose that one at the G, I think it gets, it, it, it's not done and dusted by any stretch, but it gets a lot really bigger. hard for them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That, I mean, that is, that is as big a win. I'm not going to say anything compared to their prelims and their grand final, but just outside of those types of games, that is as impressive a win from the Tigers as I've seen outside of their uh, their prelim and grand finals. Mate, great chatting to you. Enjoy your week and we'll go through it all again next week. The beauty about the Commonwealth Games is everything's on late at night, so plenty of time for watching football during the day, Lingy. Yeah, now make sure you get some sleep, Al. You've got to stay <laughs> nice and healthy, but um, good luck for all of uh, your calling on the Commonwealth Games. Uh, as always, I know you'll do a magnificent job, but uh, all the best with it. Good on you, mate. Great chatting to you. Thanks, Al. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com.